You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. The message this morning is entitled Vision Expanded. Vision Expanded. And this is number four. We've been talking about vision. I started before we went away and now still continuing on this. Last week, especially our personal daily vision. And this week we're looking at Jesus' vision for his church and our vision as a church. I'm going to pray, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, I want to thank you for your words that give us life. We're asking that this morning you would expand our vision. You would open up our eyes to see what you're doing and to see you more than we see the enemy. That we would focus our eyes on you. You would make our eyes healthy so that we can see and that you would uh, watch over us, Father, in this time. Let us get everything out of your word that we can and let the Holy Spirit flow. Let there be an amazing grace here. Amen. Let's put our hands on our hearts and pray this now nice and loud with me with conviction. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. So again, vision expanded. Here is our main text, and I was translating this yesterday. And Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. Mark 1.17. Mark 1.17. Do you notice anything interesting about that scripture address? Mark 1.17. Well, 117 is our dress here. We're level 7, 117 Queen Street. And this verse really encapsulates our vision and who we are and Jesus' vision for his church. So I'm going to be talking about vision, Jesus' vision for his church, the vision that the Lord has given us. And it all... uh, Now, it all centers around this verse, and now we're focusing on this last phrase, fishers of people. But I'll read this again, and then I'll go to read a bit of the context, too. And Jesus said to them, come follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. Now, in the NAV version, it says uh, here, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But it's a little bit of uh, a free translation there because the actual words are, and I believe these words are important, Jesus says, I will make you. He's going to make us. And then there's another interesting word in the Greek. 
And we're not going to get deep into a Greek study here, but ginomai, ginomai is become. And it's inserted here in Mark 1.17, or Mark uses that word. It's, all this, it's also the same word that John uses when he says, the word became flesh. This becoming, this ginomai, to become. So here it says, come follow me. And in this being with Jesus and being intimate with him and being close with him and following him, he makes us. And he makes us become fishers of people. Fishers of people. So what does that mean and how do we do that? We're going to talk about that this morning. So if you don't understand it all, we'll, our understanding will grow as we get into this. So what's the setting here? What's the setting for this whole thing. Well, if you look here, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And this is where Jesus is when he's speaking this. Uh, I'll read the verse before uh, Mark 1.16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. So this is the setting. This is the Sea of Galilee, and this is the sunrise uh, there in Israel. You can see some modern fishing boats, but Jesus would go out with his disciples in, uh, in their boat or their boats, and the disciples, these first disciples, they're fisher men they fish and they know fishing well well here is this was digged up out of the sea of galilee this is an old boat and from carbon carbon dating they know that this is 2000 years old so this is often called peter's boat or jesus boat and this was the type of vessel they were in when they were fishing notice if you have 12 people in this vessel they're in close quarters <laughs> They're all near each other. They're all close to each other. And they have to work together as a team as they fish. There's no kind of going off into their own corner and say, leave me alone. <laughs> Though Jesus could have slept here. You know, he probably slept in the bow there when he was sleeping during the storm. But this is an example of their boats back then. And this is another angle here. <coughs> and you can see here they project the screen of what it would look like it was put all together, and you see the mast in the center where they would have the sails. And you can find this in the Galilee area in Israel. Well, the theme this morning is this. Jesus expands our vision, causing us to see beyond ourselves. I need to hear an amen. amen. Jesus expands our vision, causing us to see beyond ourselves. And sometimes when you talk about vision, I went to business school, and there's some talk about vision there. Every good business is meant to have a vision, but often the vision revolves around ourselves, just ourselves. But Jesus, and especially we see this in this verse here, where he says, I will make you become fishers of people. He's expanding our vision and causing us to see beyond ourselves. It's not just about us. He has us on this mission, his mission, his vision. So let me uh, 
give you a little bit more of an introduction. One of the highlights of our time away was when we hired a small boat and some fishing gear. Some of you have heard this already. And near the end of our expedition, Valerie caught her first fish. And it was a little brim fish. And it was, uh, you know, very playful. <laughs> Pull it, pulling it in wasn't that easy, but she had the strength and she pulled it in. And she was so excited that her joy was infectious. So excited at catching a fish. Have you ever caught a fish before? It is exciting. It's exhilarating. It's like, oh, I did it. And, and the reason why it's exciting is it's difficult. You don't always catch fish. We know the disciples, they, they fished all night and they didn't catch, catch anything. And then once Jesus came into the scene, they had a huge haul, a big catch that came in. So fishing can be challenging. It, it means that you need patience. And uh, Jesus is the example of fishing for people. And as he's meeting these uh, people at first, these disciples that are not yet disciples, he's bringing them in. He's fishing for them. And he's drawing them in. So we see that here, Mark 1, 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon... So he sees, and this is the thing, we need to see where the Lord is operating and how the Holy Spirit is working in people's eyes. And when he sees here, he's not just seeing casually, he sees Simon, he sees his potential, he sees that he is uh, going to become one of his disciples, he asked to call him. So he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, a brother team, Casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. In verse 18, that's from the NIV version. At once they left their nets and followed him. So he, you see an example of Jesus fishing. And he catches Simon and Andrew. Simon's another name for Peter. He catches here is where we were when uh, Valerie caught the fish. This is the New, New Seville, and it's not far from here, so this is a great place to go if you have a day trip and you can go to uh, New Seville. This is the river, and there's, there's a, some, for some reason, on the New Seville, uh, in, in New Seville, on the Noosa River, there's beautiful sunsets there, very beautiful sunsets. This doesn't even do the justice to all the colors there, but... It's a place where there's beautiful sunset sets. And we hired that boat and took it out there. And this is a, a picture of Eva and Valerie. You see Valerie with a fishing pole there? This is just before she caught her fish. And Eva was the one who inspired. Eva was the one who inspired the fishing trip because she said, Let me, uh, let's go out on a boat. She really wanted to do it. And we had a great we had a great time doing that. So there she is. She was using that pole. And, and uh, yeah, great, great family time. Had, what's that? Yeah, Va Valerie looks determined to catch that. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that happened is we thought we were, were recording the catch of the fish, and Hannah was like this and this, and then we looked, and you didn't hit record. I thought I did hit record. 
So this is just before she caught the fish, but not the actual catching of the fish. And this was the fish, this brim fish that there's uh, quite a bit in the Noosa River. That's what she caught. But we had to release it. It was too small. So you catch it and you release it back in. Oh, there's Valerie again. This is near the area where she caught the fish, a little boat house there. I thought that was cute. <laughs> now, catching a fish brings joy, but it's a greater joy when you catch souls for the kingdom. Can I hear an amen? Catching a fish brings joy, but it's a greater joy when you catch souls for the kingdom. And this reminds me of 3 John 4, or 3 John 4 is one of the inspirations for this. Uh, the third letter of John, verse 4, and it says this. I, this is John speaking, John the Apostle, and in this personal letter he says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. So what really gave him joy... And he said he had no greater joy was to hear that his spiritual children were walking in the truth. Not that they just made a decision and said, hey, I'm going to follow Christ, but they were actually walking in the, in the truth. And that is what it means to catch a fish, is that they are taken out of the dark, stormy waters, and they are brought into the kingdom. And they are then beginning to learn how to walk in the truth. And for Anna and I, um, it's wonderful if somebody says, oh, that was a great message. I don't hear that as much. <laughs> but that's wonderful. But more, more wonderful, more wonderful is when I hear the stories of this is what God is doing in my life. And Donna shared earlier this week about how the word was working in her, her life and uh, she posted it in the school uh, chat thing. And this is what, to hear that God's children are walking in the truth and walking it out and living it out, this gives us the greatest joy. And so what I'm saying here is it's not the performance, but it's the actual, the walking it out that brings us joy and to hear that. And I know all of you are putting the word into practice, and so that gives me joy. Amen? Amen? <laughs> that gives, gives us joy. Well, here is the latest infograph that I've developed, and we're going to just go through this quickly. It's, just, it's a quick reminder of five, the five facets of our vision. And for those who don't know, we began in 1999, 1999. And next Sunday is Anna and I's 23rd wedding anniversary. And then two weeks after that wedding anniversary is when our church began. And it was like a Holy Ghost explosion in our apartment, and that's when we began. And I started to minister before, and my big prayer was, my big prayer was, Lord, I'm here. You sent me here. I don't know anybody, Lord. So 
give me some disciples. At least give me one disciple. And the Lord started to bring to me some hungry young men. And one of them that just got saved was Chris Hackett. And he came to Chris and Cheryl. They pastor a church now on the north side, the fireplace. Well, they weren't married at the time. Chris got saved. And he got radically saved. And uh, he, I, he, he, I uh, took him under my wing, so to speak. He, he stayed at, our, um, at my house. And it was a very important part of the church. Uh, and there was that story of one time when we were praying. We were praying all. He was still, he, God had saved him, but he still had a bit of uh, issues in his life because he was just saved. So he's out on the outside. He's smoking his cigarette then coming back to the prayer meeting. And there was a, a young lady who really needed God's help. And, and she started to manifest demons and she was writhing on the floor. And then the demons began to speak out of her mouth. And one of the things, we were casting the demons out, but one of the demons said, sorry, I don't mean to scare you here. You shouldn't be scared. One of the demons says, I want to smoke. And it was like, and when that happened, Chris fell onto his knees, and the fear of the Lord hit him. He said, Lord, deliver me from smoking. Deliver me. Lord, forgive me. And he got set free that day from... Uh, smoking cigarettes, as well as many other things. And God was, after a fish gets caught, they need to be cleaned. We all needed to be cleaned. And this is part of the cleaning process. My pastor used to say it often is after, um, after fish is caught, it needs to be cleaned. And that was part of the cleaning process in his life. And God brought me through a cleaning process. So what's the five facets of our vision? Again, it all began with, Lord, give me, give me some disciples. Not that they were for me, but they were for the Lord. But help me to uh, catch. So there, there are five main things that motivate church on the park, church in the city, Holy Fire Ministry Training School, and the Holy Fire family. And I think everybody in the body of Christ should be able to say yes to these things, even if they're not a part of our church. Well, for, I'm not going to read all of this. This is uh, just like a summary. But remember the different messages we've been talking about. Our vision is Jesus. So Jesus is the heart of our vision, the apple of our eyes. To see and follow him is our desire. Follow me. And we want to see him. And he is that pupil in our illustration. And our vision is to be a people like Jesus. So our vision is Jesus, and our vision is to be a people like Jesus. Next, our vision is, the third thing here is, our vision is to train mighty warriors. And we've talked about that. And our desire is to train all of you so that you are also doing the works of ministry. And I see you guys doing that. And I'm proud of you. And I want to continue to encourage you to keep, keep going in that direction. So that as we grow as a church, I want you, and God wants you, to train, to train the mighty warriors. So don't expect Anna and I to do all the training. I trained you so that you can train the next generation. Amen? 
So you're training them. And then as we work together, we're stronger. And then our vision is not about ourselves. Our vision is to serve Christ's body. And I'm, we're thinking about his, his body all across Brisbane, all across Australia, all across the world. But especially we're focused on Australia and the South Pacific. I can't, we can't meet all the needs. We're limited in resources, but our vision is to serve Christ's body as much as we can. We don't revolve around ourselves. Our aim is to serve all of God's family. And that's one of the reasons why we have a library of teaching and infographics and messages online is so anybody in the body of Christ can take these and they can help them and it could build them up. And that's why we have the Bible school and it's not limited to our church but reaches so many other churches. And then the last thing, and this is what we're focusing on this morning is our vision is to draw people to Jesus. Our vision is to draw people to Jesus. And this is Jesus' vision as well. I mean, that's where it comes from. We want to help our community discover Jesus for themselves. Matthew 4.19, as well as Mark 1.17. And notice that there's a picture there, and that, that's how they used to fish is with nets. We use lines and poles, but the major way that they fished back then was through nets. They threw the nets. They threw their net into the water to catch the fish. Our vision is to draw people to Jesus. And that's why we exist, to catch souls and to empower them to walk with Jesus every day. We don't want to catch and release them back into the sea of darkness and death. Now, when we caught the fish, uh, we caught the fish with, and Valerie caught the fish, we had to release the fish back in. But we don't want to do this in the kingdom. We don't want to just catch and then release them back into the darkness. We want to take care of them and raise them up and train them. We don't want to just catch and release them back into the sea of darkness and death. Though there's a parable that Jesus shared where God does the sorting, so we may catch many fish, and then he sorts out the good and bad. So there may be, there may be many people that come, but the Lord will sort out, okay, this one's really not sincere. <laughs> he may toss them back, but we want to make sure that we're caring for and causing, helping them to grow. Jesus' vision is not just about decisions, but about discipleship. That's why he says, follow me, follow me. And this is the call for everybody. It's not just that they would say yes to Jesus one day and then walk their own way. Jesus wants the ones that receive him to follow him. So it's, the vision is not merely about decisions, it's about discipleship. And that's what Jesus was catching James and John and Simon and Andrew and Nathaniel and the rest of them. He was catching them so that they were his disciples. And our goal is that they are his disciples. Uh, amen. Amen. So here bring, here's the question. How can you be a fisher of people? And we can't answer it all this morning. But we're going to start, we're going to a little bit of a taste of what the Lord's been showing me in his word. And then the Lord had me up 
at 2 a.m. this morning. And I don't know what it is about 2 a.m., but there's sometimes, I've, I've been up at 2 a.m. many times, and often there's a great time of God showing himself, revealing himself, of expounding his word, and uh, that was a precious time, and I got to greet Gideon as uh, three, 3 in the morning. He came home from his night shift. I got to, to greet Gideon. So how can you be a fisher of people? So I want to share a little bit about what the Lord was showing me this week and during that time. Jesus shows us a great example of how fishing for souls happens. Jesus shows us a great example of how fishing for souls happens. And we saw it when we read about how he went to Simon and Andrew. And he went to them face to face. And he called them. Of course, nobody's going to, you know, you're not going to go up to, we're going to learn from this example, but Chris is not going to go up to just somebody and say, follow me, and they're going to get up and follow him. <laughs> but, but that reminds me a lot of how Chris came into the Bible school, because Emma, Emma, uh, Emma was walking to Bible school, Mama Emma, and uh, Emma Pisia, and she was w walking in, and she saw Chris on the bench, she said, I'm going to Bible school. You want to come with me? It's an open night or whatever. Come. And she was on the bench out there. And Emma invited her. Emma invited him. And Emma invited Chris in. And that's how he came to be a part. And amazingly, he didn't just come. He graduated. And now he's, he's becoming a strong pillar in the church, but it was like, it was a modern example of Emma saying, I'm going somewhere, you want to come with me? It's a good place. <laughs> and Jesus is there, and that's Chris, Chris's testimony of how he came here. He was saved, but um, God wanted to do something awesome in his life. So here is, and I'm, I'm, we're going back to Jesus' example here. Here's John 1, 29 through 34. And now we're getting more into the practicalities of this. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God. This is John the Baptist here. Notice what he says here. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man comes after me. Sorry, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's a bit of a riddle, that one. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, John is reflecting here. John the Baptist is reflecting here. We're coming up to it. He's reflecting here about how Jesus was baptized. And keep in mind that the word baptism means immersion. It means being immersed. So if we take the word, we can translate it as Jesus was immersed in the water. So then, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And we know this has to do with Jesus' baptism of Jesus' baptism from the other gospel accounts. 
I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. We're going to reflect on this. And what does this teach us? Because John, John the Baptist is fishing. And he's fishing for souls. And he's offering this baptism of repentance because God has sent him to do that. But here is the thing that kind of boggles our mind is that Jesus himself with all the repentant sinners, all these repentant sinners are coming to John the Baptist. They say, I need to be washed. I need to be cleansed. I need to, re be re need to repent. I need to be forgiven. They're all coming to him. And John the Baptist is baptizing them. And then the thing that boggles our mind is Jesus also gets in the water with all of the sinners. And he himself is being baptized. And John is saying, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And yet here, I'm baptizing him. He's greater than me. He's the greatest. He's greater than me because he's eternal. He is the, the word from all eternity. In the beginning was the word and word was with God. And he became flesh. And now... He's getting baptized, and this always kind of causes us to scratch our heads, and we're thinking, why is Jesus getting baptized? Well, this is the first public, uh, this is the first public uh, event, public act that Jesus does uh, when he turns 30 years old. And in this act, it shows us how we can be fishers of people. Also, John the Baptist shows us how we can be fishers of people, and we're going to see that soon. But first, Jesus, because he's the greatest example. Jesus shows us how to be fishers of people in his first public act. We start by humbly submitting to our Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus is doing when he's baptized. He's humbly submitting to his Heavenly Father. He's doing it to fulfill all righteousness, as we read in Matthew. And he's, he is going to catch souls for his father, for his kingdom, by that act of submission. And this act of submission to his heavenly father means getting in the water. Now, here's the big point. We need to get into the water, quote, unquote, the water, with the people, We need to get into the water with the people. And what does this mean? We, to fish for people, like Jesus, we need to be immersed in God's Spirit. So be immersed in God's Spirit. But also be immersed in the spot that God has placed you. So what I want, what I want you to see is that Jesus is not afar off from the people. He gets right with the people. He comes from heaven to earth. He identifies with man. He identifies with the sinner, even though he does not fall into their sin. But he identifies with them. He becomes man. He comes to them. And he is with them. 
you can't catch fish unless you're out there with the fish. Are you with me? You got to be in the boat and you got to be where the fish are. You got to actually get out of your comfort zone, so to speak. And one of, one of the things that was out of my comfort zone was putting the prawn on the uh, hook. Because, you know, that smell doesn't come out. It's all your guts and all this stuff. And you put it on the prawn on the hook. It's not, it's not my... I, when I was a kid, I, t- I was taking art class. And I did like art. But the teacher didn't like me because I was always going and cleaning my hands. I'd get, a, I'd get a messy with the paper mache. And then I'd go and clean my hands. And then I'd go back and do the paper mache. And then I'd go and clean my hands. I wasn't OCD. Don't worry about that. I wasn't OCD. But I didn't like to have, even if I'm cooking stuff at home, I'm constantly wiping my hands. I don't like my hands to be, be dirty. And so this is like, I'm doing this for the kids, putting this hook through the eyes of the prawn, and the gut's coming out and slipping off, and I'm getting poked in the finger by the hook, and it's like, I'm doing this for them. And so happy that, so happy that Valerie caught a fish. Well, it was a trial for Jesus to come from heaven to earth. It would mean that he was going to be crucified by the same people he is catching for him. And he's going to be rejected, and there's going to be so much opposition, but he still came and identified with the sinner. When Daniel and Diane go out on the road, what are they doing? They're getting among the fish. When Donna is going out, Donna Bayless is going out, and... She's doing religious uh, education. She's getting among the fish. So there is a sense where we need to get our hands dirty, so to speak, not with sin, but get out there and be with the people. And this is one of the reasons why we're here in the, uh, our 117 center. We're in Queen Street. If you look, I, I go on the balcony and I pray all these people are going back and forth. It reminds me of a river. There's about 10,000 people or more every day that walk back and forth the Queen Street Mall. It became quiet during the COVID time, times, but it's now picked up. And there's all these people here going back and forth. And we're here for a purpose. And when we were in the you know, it doesn't seem like the it's not that church building that you think of when you think of a church. And the same thing when we were in the 316 Center across the street. We were amongst all the businesses. And that's how Patrick came to the Lord because we were next to him and he, he knocked on the door. And he, he said, well, Jesus was wrestling with me. Do you have a Bible? And, and I've given my life to him. Uh, do you have a Bible? <laughs> he didn't even have a Bible at that time. But I was speaking to him. He'd come in and a lot of that had to do with I was listening to Patrick and his story. Jesus was with the people, and he was with the people immersed with the Holy Spirit. So he's, there's, two type, there's two immersions going on here. He's immersed with the Holy Spirit. We see that with the dove coming on him. And he's immersed with the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. But he's also immersed in the people and their lives. And he's with these fishermen. And he's walking by the lake. And he's engaging and talking to them. And there's a temptation for us when we're Christian is Christians is we don't want to get our hands dirty, so to speak, like I like my thing. So we kind of withdraw ourselves from the unsaved because we know their mouths aren't, their, their language is not good. And we know that 
they're going to say stuff that's going to grieve our spirit. And we know that they don't agree with us, so they're probably going to fight with us. And so what the temptation is, is we may withdraw ourselves from the lost and the hurting and the dying. And if we withdraw ourselves, we are not about our Father's business of fishing for people. So Jesus shows us that he gets in amongst them, even though it meant they crucified him. He is still going to be there. And then this is, this, uh, this is what spoke to me in the morning. And this is um, John 1, 19 through 28. And uh, this is about John the Baptist, just before Jesus was baptized. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. So they were asking, the, the priests and the Levites were asking who John the Baptist was. And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Now, he was catching people, but I want us to see what he says at first. And this all has to do with John's identity. And in order for us to catch fish, we need to be strong in our identity, in who God has made us. I'm reading a book, The Old Man and the Sea. And this is a book that we read as a kid in English class. And I have a whole story from that because uh, The Old Man and the Sea is Ernest Hemingway. And I didn't know, but I had a Christian teacher back then. And she would pray over all the chairs and all the students that would come in. And she talked about the Christian symbolism in the book, The Old Man and the Sea. And her name was Mrs. Page. Good, good name for an English teacher. Well, I didn't know she was Christian. She didn't know that I had got saved after that time. But I preached at a church in Long Island when I was visiting. And when I preached at that church, uh, Gospel Community Church, it was put online. And she was in another state that time. She wasn't in New York. She had retired. She was in another state. But she loved to listen to her church and her pastor still. And so she went online, and she saw the guest missionary. Guest missionary is speaking. And that, that was me. And she goes, Glenn Gehauser, I remember him from English class. And, and she was so happy. She had prayed for all of us. I was, I was dead as a doornail back then, as far as Jesus goes. And she prayed for all of us, and she sent me an email and said, um, she said, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you remember me, but I was your English teacher, and I was so happy to see that you got saved, and you're doing the, you're a pastor now, and I just listened to you online. And it was an amazing thing. Well, she was part of catching me for the kingdom because she prayed over those chairs. And then the Lord showed me. The thing is, sometimes the Lord doesn't show us, but the Lord showed me. There was another example of this with um, the Pensacola team came over, the Brownsville team came over, and they brought, at, they, there was you know, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of tapes from the Brownsville Revival. Well, they chose just a couple and brought it to me. And uh, they, they brought it to us. We put it in. And one of them was a baptism video. And I saw 
a guy get baptized many years later or a few years later after we had preached to him in the Pensacola Juvenile Detention Center. So we preached for him. We preached for, we preached to him. And I remember his name because I was always praying for him because he came forward. Uh, the, a lot of people responded to the, the Lord. It was, a, it was just a room about this size and all these uh, kids like prisoners come in. They have committed all sorts of crimes. And he came in and he asked for prayer. So we prayed for him. And then he, he fell out in the spirit. So much so that he was unconscious. The guard was upset. But the guard knew about Christians because he was a Christian. But he said, you got to get him up. You got to get him up because if, if, if anyone sees that he's on the floor like this unconscious, I'm in big trouble. You know, like I can lose my job. I, I don't know. I just laid hands on him. You know, we were taught... You know, we were taught in Pensacola that when we lay hands on people, we don't push them over. We just lightly touch them on the forehead, lightly touch them. And, and he just went out. Well, he had a vision of Jesus, and Jesus began to pull things out of his heart. And I didn't know all of this, what had happened, because we left and went on. And then only later did I hear the testimony well, they bring this video. I'm here in Australia now, and this is Nick Angelino getting baptized. And he's saying, and I, I had no idea. He got baptized, you know, a number of years later out of all the videos. So here Jesus saves him, and he gets baptized. Yeah, and he said, I want to thank the, the one who came to me. And they shared the gospel. To me, because my life has been changed. I became Facebook friends with him, and I still talk with him now. But it that took, you know, it was over, over like a 15-year period of all that, or about a 10-year period. Now, going back to John the Baptist, I wasn't planning to share all those stories, and I got to end soon. <laughs> but notice what John the Baptist says. And he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. With regards to our identity, knowing who we are not is as important as knowing who we are. We need to know who we are not. So we're meant to catch people, but we are not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. But look, here's the Lamb of God. He's the one who takes away the sins of the world. And knowing who you are and knowing who you are not, he first says, I am not the Messiah. Knowing who you're not is so important. And I had to learn this lesson as a young pastor and the Lord gave me a message many years ago, and it was, I'm not God, you're not God, but he is God. Because uh, I remember in early, that early time in ministry, is a lot of people look to their pastor as God, as their Messiah. And being limited, you can't be the Messiah. So my goal was then, the Lord said to me, you're not the Messiah. You cannot save them, but I can save them, and I can transform them. So let me be God. You don't try to be God to them. Know that you're not God. You're not the Messiah. Let them be God. Now, I knew that. Of course, I didn't come into ministry thinking I'm the Messiah, <laughs> right? I didn't come into ministry thinking that. 
Um, but it's a, a different thing from the, you know, you have these thoughts in your head, but it's a different thing in the experience of life of realizing that, hey, I have to draw back so that Jesus is more real to them. So here, this is one of the big things about identity. And again, I was talking about the old man and the sea. And the reason why I was talking about the old man and the sea is he's caught a big fish. But that fish keeps on driving him and driving him out to sea. He can't reel it in because it's so powerful. Now, that's the middle of the book. I won't tell you the ending. I got re- to finish reading it myself. But he has to be so strong to hold on to that fish And to fish for people, your identity in Christ needs to be so strong because people are going to tug against you. People are going to fight against you. Uh, You're going to have all sorts of opposition. So you need to be so strong in Christ so that as they fight, you are still standing. You don't fall into the water and drown with them. So all this about identity, look at here. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? And knowing who you are is so critical. And it's something we're going to focus on. Not the only thing we're going to focus on, but it's something we're going to focus on next semester is this whole uh, issue of identity and how important it is. So that's, uh, if you're watching this or listening to this, holyfireschool.com. HolyFireSchool.com, next semester, the Intimacy Unit, beginning the 8th of August, 2022. Uh, A little shameless, shameless plug there. So who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, because among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. And there's so much in there, but I just want that to get into us about how John the Baptist knew his identity. And because he knew his identity, because he knew who he was, who he was not, and especially because he knew the Messiah, he was able to fish, fish for people, to draw them out of the darkness. Identity. And this is the the big thing that I want to bring out is the importance of our identity so that when we are fishing, we do not fall into the darkness with the sinners. So we need to be immersed and be be with them and be friends, but not pulled into the darkness and drown with them. Are, Are you with me here? This is the, this is the challenge. That's the challenge before us. And So be immersed in God's spirit and also be immersed in the spot God has placed you. Be immersed in God's spirit and also be immersed 
in the spot God has placed you. This is what is called incarnational. In other words, we are becoming Jesus became incarnate. The word became flesh. We also become incarnational. We, the, the message is, uh, we become the message. We become the message. The message is formed inside of us. It's called incarnational mission, is that we become the message. And in that, we draw people in. Oh, and this is something that Chris mentioned <laughs> before. Uh, something like this. If you'd like to go to the mission field, start by just crossing the street. <laughs> All right, did you hear that? If you like to go to the mission field, start by just crossing the street. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit more daunting. To fish for people we can't withdraw from the world. We need to be with the people, engaging them with grace and truth and shining our lights in the darkness. Okay, this is going to be the last scripture, and then we're going to come to an end here. Uh, Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. And this touches on what I was sharing in that little video and what I was sharing on last week. Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Do I hear an amen? So again, it's very trendy now to say, oh, the world, it's so dark. Everything's getting darker. And yes, it is dark. But we need to remember what it says here. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. It's not saying here that it will come, but it has come. And that light is Jesus. And so our, our, we're meant to be focused on that light, not on the darkness. And then it goes on to say, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So there's, there's that sense of, the light has come, but it's also rising too. Yes, there's darkness. Thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And this is the time that we're in. And so we need to focus not on the darkness, but on the light and also being the light. Amen? Amen, Barbara? Amen, Allison? <laughs> and here's, here's what I mentioned before. But here's the thing. While engaging the world, we must watch that we don't drown in the darkness. When pulling someone out of a pit, be careful you don't fall in yourself. I can't... I, I thought we were ending there, but John, Jude 23, Jude 23. If I can find the book of Jude, right? It's after 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Jude verse 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. That's verse 22. 
Verse 23, it's only one chapter. Verse 23, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So they snatch them out, but don't get sucked into their sin. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even, even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So when pulling someone out of the pit, what it's trying to tell us is be careful that you don't fall in yourself. Don't develop a love for their sin. Oh, when someone tries to get crazy but has no clue, you are a thug before you became a Christian. And SpongeBob, try me, beloved. When we put ourselves into Jesus' hands, we become the net Jesus uses to draw souls to himself. Let's all stand and we're going we're to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, right now, we want to exalt you and praise you because you are the great fisher of people. And that as we follow you, and as we're intimate with you, you make us fishers of people just like you. And we're able to draw them into your kingdom. Lord, let us be faithful and, and empower us, immerse us with the Spirit. We know that when the early church was immersed with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they won a great harvest. And we see that Jesus, through his baptism, was immersed with the people. He was, he was there with the people. And he was, uh, he was a part of their lives. And that's how he drew them out. I'm asking that as a church, we would draw many people to you, each one. And that this church would be like a boat that would be able to, there would be this fellowship here that would help them to grow. Lord, in these turbulent times, I pray for the church uh, worldwide not to lose, that we would not lose our vision, that we would not lose your vision for us, that we would come back to that call that, of following you and being fishers of people. And I'm praying for great grace on everyone each one of us, to do that and for this to be active in our lives this week. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor.